already know, man. You busy guy, bro. Yeah. Well, I Chairs just like two palms. <laughs> Here we go.
हेलो Okay. And let's see. Three, two, and one. Well, we are back on face first, and it's been an interesting, I guess, two weeks since I've had an opportunity to talk to y'all. And there's been some people that have been in the news, and I guess me and my friends have sort of you know, been in the news too. And we're going to talk about three different humans and what's going on with them. We're going to talk about Pete Carroll and his impassioned speech at the league meetings to the owners about diversity hires. We're going to talk about LeBron James, the greatest basketball player of this era. To some people, the GOAT. To some people, the second best ever, the third best ever, whatever it is. He's one of the best we've ever or the greatest we've ever seen play the game and is probably having the greatest career and then we're going to talk a little bit about russell wilson but not the normal denver russell wilson talk a little bit about what was said about russell wilson on the pivot and the fallout from that you know pete carroll um seems to be a really good man pete carroll speaks out about colin kaepernick and the fact that colin kaepernick should have a job he said colin kaepernick actually called him and then when you look at his roster that is probably head headed by geno smith or headed by drew lock Colin Kaepernick is probably a guy who can at least come in and compete there, but Pete never gave him a job. But it's also not Pete's job to give Colin Kaepernick an opportunity. It would be nice. We would all love it. But the dude ain't played four or five years. None of us are expecting someone to jump out on that limb and say, even though things have changed, even though we see police brutality different, even though we see the inequalities differently, that Colin Kaepernick was right. We're going to give him a job. Nobody does that. Nobody wants to do that. This man's throwing at Michigan. This man's throwing at Carr High School in Louisiana. He's throwing all over the place, throwing to the Lockett Brothers, just trying to find somebody to say, you're good enough. But that's not what this is about. This is about Pete Carroll getting in front of the owners and giving this impassioned speech and telling the owners in the NFL, you need to get to know these candidates better as leaders. It's not all about the X's and O's and what they can do. It's not about putting them in rooms where they're coaching people that look like them so they can relate, where they can get your message or communicate your message from the top in the middle to the bottom. It's about the fact that these men can be leaders, that these men do understand how to delegate. These men do understand how to build. These men do understand how to get somebody to progress from where they start to where they need to be. And so Pete Carroll gives this speech and he's talking to the owners and Jed York of the San Francisco 49ers, Jimmy Haslam of the Cleveland Browns, Jerry Jones of the Dallas Cowboys. They get up and right away say, hell no, nah, Pete. We feel you, Pete, but that ain't it. We vehemently disagree. We don't have to hire that way. We don't have to change our approach to learning about these men. None of these things we have to do. 
And they're actually right. These are their companies. These are their billions of dollars. These are their millions of dollars that they're giving out on contracts. And if they want to hire somebody that's familiar, or if they want to hire somebody that they, they vibe with or somebody that sounds like them or somebody that, 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 that makes them feel, you know what, this is going to be like an extension of me in the locker room, they can actually do that. They earn the right through their business acumen, through their smart maneuvers, through their great investments, maybe through their trust funds. They earn the opportunity to do that. And so in that, it's like, all right, go ahead, do what you got to do. But Pete Carroll in this situation was a good one. Pete Carroll in this situation was saying, you know what? I want to make sure that at least a white voice is heard in support of these African-American coaches, of these minority coaches. And so let's think a little bit about another coach who is very vocal when it comes to minority hirings, Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians lets you know that he feels that diversity is important in an organization. But we also see it. Todd Bowles, who is now the new head coach because Bruce Arians stepped down and took a consultant job, gets to take over a job where now it's not like it was at the Jets. He doesn't have the quarterbacks that he has at the Jets. He doesn't have the players that he had at the Jets. He has an actual opportunity to win and five years of a contract to do it. Bruce Arians understood that the way that hiring is taking place, that the Rooney rule is already being switched up and now includes women, which I'm not saying is wrong, but it certainly dilutes. It certainly dilutes the rule where it's saying we just got to hire you for a year. We basically got to give you an internship or, or or a tryout. Bruce Arians understands the hypocrisy and all of that. So Goody was his assistant head coach. Todd Bowles was his defensive coordinator. Um, his special teams coordinator is a, was a black man. Uh, Byron Leftwich is his offensive coordinator. He hires women all around the building in different places to allow themselves to allow them to learn and then elevate in the ranks of the coaches. See, Bruce Arians puts his hiring where his mouth is. And so let's look at Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll's been there what twelve years. Pete Carroll's never hired. Uh, an offensive coordinator that was black, that was black, which is where a ton, uh, I think, seventy-five to eighty percent of the coaching hires come from. Um, Picaro hired, I think, two relatives, maybe two of his kids. Those hires could have gone to somewhere else, but I've already spoken, and we all know about the nepotism that exists in football. And so, when I think about Pete Carroll, I say I appreciate the words, Pete, but put the hiring where your mouth is, bro. And it's one of those things that you can't seem ungrateful, right? You, you, can't, you can't seem like someone giving an impassioned speech when they know it's not going to be received necessarily well. Someone putting themselves out front of this movement or out front of this conversation, you can't be ungrateful for that. You can't be unappreciative when it comes to that. But you can look at that and say, okay, do your words match your actions. Herm Edwards, who coaches at Arizona State, when you walk in, he, he has a sign and it says words and actions. And it's, action, it's asking that the things that you say, can I look at your life? Can I look at what you do? Can I look at your job and say, I can listen to everything he says because I see it in his movements. 
It's not what we see from Pete Carroll. And so when Pete Carroll is standing in front of in front of these the, these owners, in front of these other coaches, and he's giving this impassioned speech, I wonder if it's falling on deaf ears because Pete Carroll doesn't live that way. It's like asking a player to be tough when you're soft as tissue in your real life. You can't tell me I went and to fill this gap slowly or I went and filled this gap softly, pause, and think to yourself, but I wouldn't do it. Or have me look at you and say, you wouldn't do it. No, you can say I did it incorrectly or this is the way to be better. But when you aren't doing something yourself and you're trying to tell somebody else to do it, sometimes that falls on deaf ears. And so what I do say is, and what I do feel is, Pete Carroll, you are right. Things need to change. Owners need to look at these young minority coaches and see that they have the ability to lead. They have the wherewithal to be out front. They have the skills. They have the intelligence. They have the communication that they can stand in front of your room and parse out or disseminate the message that you want given. It may sound different. It may look different. But it's the message of winners if you give them the opportunity. That's what Pete Carroll was trying to say. But again, to Pete, I say, hey, Pete, if you believe that, live that. And someone as successful as, as Pete Carroll, though, he gains a little bit of cachet. Like he gets an opportunity to say these things and to be this way because he's won Super Bowls and he's been to multiple Super Bowls and he's had all pros and he's done a great job at coaching. He's been a national championship coach on the college level. We've seen him at the top of the game at both levels for a very long time. Another guy that's like that is LeBron James. LeBron James is the greatest player of this era. LeBron James is a guy that has put teams together in different places that have won championships. You go to the big three in Miami. That was a D-Wade, Chris Bosh, LeBron James thing. Right? They finagled contracts and moved around money to make sure this guy who may not be getting as many endorsements can get enough money. They changed the way that they played in the sense to allow LeBron to lead. D-Wade takes a step back when he needs to be that leader and do certain things. He steps up. Chris Bosh doesn't take as many shots, becomes a rebounder, defender, a shot blocker, all of these different things. LeBron did that. Then he goes back to Cleveland and now it's Kevin Love and it's Kyrie Irving and you're down 3-1 to the Golden State Warriors, who at that time people thought was the best team that was ever put together. And you come back, uh, Draymond Green is, 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 is suspended for a game. You come back, you get the huge block. Kyrie Irving with the step back on Steph Curry, and you win there. Then you go to Los Angeles, and you get AD to come with your clutch, sport, clutch sports uh, brother as his agent, Rich Paul. And now you get into the bubble, and you win another championship there. So now you have these four championships. You've been to double-digit championships. You are the guy. You make the decisions. So you get into the offseason now, and, you know, we already have AD. Uh, there's the, the Kyle Kuzmas and the different people that, the, that, that make, make your team up, right? And you say, you know what? This is ain't it. We need another guy. And so it's DeMar Rosen and the Brody Russell Westbrook. Let me be clear. I love Russell Westbrook. Period, point blank. He is my favorite basketball player that's playing in the league right now. Not because I think he's super skilled or because I think he's the best. Just because I feel like he just plays hard as hell and it matters to him. 
that he's going to go full speed, 100%, all out. And that may mean that the ball may slam off the backboard hard as hell. That may mean that when he pulls up for the when he pulls up and tries to, to bank one off the glass, that he shoots it on the other side of the goal. All of these things happen, but when you look at his numbers, it's like, ah, oh, it's not that bad. It's not what he used to be, but we knew that. When he, Carmelo, Dwight Howard, AD, LeBron are taking a picture before the season, what we're looking at is like, man, if this was six years ago, they may not lose a game. But it's not. It's 2022, and LeBron's 37. It's 2022, and AD gets hurt. It's 2022, Russell Westbrook's not what he used to be. It's 2022, Carmelo's relegated to a spot-up shooter. And so all of these things, with all of these greats, with all of these Hall of Famers that are on these teams, they now don't tie in. LeBron misses a ton of games. AD misses a ton of games. Russell Westbrook's not playing at a high level. And so you get to the point where you put this team together, there was all this excitement around what they were going to be, and they're nothing. And what I mean by they're nothing is you get eliminated from playoff contention. LeBron James is sitting on the sideline in his glasses. Because it's over. But when you put this team together and you, 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 you handpick Frank Vogel and you handpick this player, you say, you know what? You earn that. With a success comes great power. But you better know that it's often followed by harsh criticism. And so now LeBron's above the law in so many ways, right? Like we, you, you, you can't doubt who he is as a man. You can't doubt who he's been as a player. You can't doubt who he's been as a GM and putting teams together. But he had an opportunity to get DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan, who early on in this season was in the MVP conversation when Lonzo Ball was healthy and when they had a full roster, uh, Caruso's healthy, and they have all these guys who are still out there playing. DeMar DeRozan was playing at, high, as, at, at as high of a level as anybody in the NBA. DeMar DeRozan was a guy that had seemed to resurrect his career in a way that we had never seen it. It wasn't resurrecting it to back to what it used to be. It was actually bringing it back to a point that it had never been. And so then you look at the team and you say, okay, are we going to blame all of this on Russell Westbrook, though? Is everything that has gone wrong with the Los Angeles Lakers Russell Westbrook's fault? Is Russell Westbrook not playing well enough and that's the only reason hell no frank vogel a defensive-minded coach hasn't found ways to make the offense work frank vogel who now has to deal with lebron and in and, and clutch sports and rob Palinka bringing in russell westbrook and he's not playing well he has to deal with do i bench him where is he in critical moments of the game when we're down the stretch and we need big shots and we need smart passing, do we pull them out? That's hard. But that's the team Brian put together. Is he the greatest player of this era? Hell yeah. Is this the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to him? That's ever happened to the Lakers? Probably so. And like Kobe said, he played with Smush Parker. These things are difficult. These things don't always work out the right way. But when you're Bron, you can have your own show. When you're Bron and you 
get opportunities to talk in the barbershop, you can put pressure on people. LeBron has said he's staying in this game to play with his son, Bronny, whenever that is, whenever that happens. This year, even with the injuries, LeBron James averaged 30 freaking points a game. He said it himself. He doesn't think that he gets the proper love for being the scorer that he is. I agree with that. He says people don't recognize him for what he's done. Sometimes I agree with that. So are people going to wait around for Bronny to come out to get one year of Bron, two years of Bron? And let's be honest, at that point, he'll probably still be able to give you 22 and 8. But I found it telling that LeBron said, you know what? Bronny's my one. Steph Curry's my two. And Steph said, I'm good right now. See, Steph still knows that he has a while. Steph knows that he has Draymond and he has Clay and now he has Poole and he has Steve Kerr. Steph understands that his time isn't up, that there are more rings to be won, that I'm going to be the face of this thing. But I find it very, very, I don't know if it's odd. Uh, I don't know if it's funny that he said, nah, I'm good to who many think is the GOAT. Now, those many weren't born in the 90s or weren't alive in the 90s to see the other guy that truly is. But man, damn it if an argument can't be made for Brian. You put this team together, these are the people you wanted, and it failed. Brian's going to have to own that, like all the successes. Whether it's misunderstood, whether it's twisted in a way, it is what it is. It's out there now. It's for people's consumption. And they'll do with it what they please. And that's what's crazy, right? People's consumption. I started a show called The Pivot. I think I've spoken about it here on uh, Face First. And man, like we've done some amazing things. Like we truly have. Uh, what we've become, what we've become in, 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 in three months is, is honestly beyond our wildest dreams. But with that, right, much as I said, is with, with success comes great power, which is often followed by harsh criticism. That's us now. Right? I do the show with Fred Taylor, Channing Crowder. And a couple of weeks ago, I was, you know, I hit my producer up and I'm like, bro, like, we don't really have voices. Like, we don't really get to talk because we always have these guests. And there's so much going on in free agency. And I really wanted to give Channing and Fred, because I came on here and did it, an opportunity to speak on Deshaun Watson. Right? I was really like keen on him on those two getting opportunity to do it. I thought, I thought we needed to have a voice in there. I thought we needed to have a, per, a perspective, right? So, but we were going to get there by going through the rest of free agency. So we start, we start going through it and we talk, about, we talk about Russ to Denver and Channing starts to Chan, right? And what he says is, Russell is square. If he didn't have that money, Sierra wouldn't be with him. And I chuckle and I laugh. And then toward the end, I say, well, when you have a certain level of 
toxicity with future because Channing mentioned, you know, you don't leave future for Russell Wilson. I said, you want something stable. And then we move on because I was trying to get to Deshaun Watson. We were just putting this on our clips channel. It had to be short. And so nobody, so we didn't really get to expound. But this is the last thing I'm going to say about Chan. Anyone who thought that Channing Crowder was saying that Russ is square because he is a great husband, because he is a great father, has absolutely lost their mind. They know that wasn't it. But I do get it, right? Because in, 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 in black communities, when we see a couple like that, that are two famous people that seem to be in love, that seem to support each other, that seem to champion each other, that take all of these beautiful pictures and these expensive clothes, that seems like the black American dream. And so there's no way you can talk about that person. Here's what I'm going to say. I laughed because I believe he's square too. I also, on the other side, believe that he's a great husband, at least seemingly so. I believe that he's a great father. I believe that he's an example for what you want a black man and a black family to be when it comes to the way that he treats his wife and he treats his children. That does not make him square. That makes Russell Wilson admirable. That makes Russell Wilson a role model. And so many people started to come at me and say I had something personal against him because I said he wasn't an all-time great. Let me be very clear. I think Russell Wilson is very good at football. He's a very good quarterback. He's a top 10 quarterback in this league. The elite all-time greats that I played against are Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, and Tom Brady. The GOAT, five MVPs. Three MVPs in a row and four. And countless all pros. Russ doesn't have those things individually, which is why I didn't count him in that. But let me be clear with this. I don't have a personal problem with him. Like I said, Russell Wilson is a great father. It seems to be a great husband. He supports and champions his family. People should look at that as a role model, as someone we should want young black men to be. I don't think that makes him square. I think that makes him someone we should look at and try to have our daughters matter, married, our sons be like in that sense to have that family, especially as African-Americans. The only personal problem I've ever had with Russ is this. In 2016, in July, at the, heat of the, the height of the protest, Michael Bennett steps off the stage in the Black Lives Matter shirt. The reporter asked Russell Wilson, do you believe black lives matter? He doesn't answer it right away. 30 seconds into the answer, he says, I believe, of course, black lives matter. Police lives matter as well. Everybody's lives matter. That was an opportunity that Russell Wilson had to had a chance to step up and be unapologetically black unapologetically African-American, unapologetically understanding what needed to be said at that time, the way that his brothers needed to be supported, but he didn't take it. It's not personal to me. I just didn't like it. I thought it was an opportunity for us to step up and we needed him. This is the same time I'm wearing Colin Kaepernick jerseys on Mike and Mike getting calls that I can't do that. In 2020, when it was more politically correct to do that, or maybe when his beautiful African-American wife or black wife, Sierra, taught him things and he now had black children, he could feel it. He gives an impassioned speech and an impassioned movement at the ESPYs. And all I thought was, I wish I could have saw that in 2016 
when it wasn't popular. That too isn't square to me. That too isn't lame to me, but that is manufactured to me. And manufactured is square to me. That is an image or a perception or a persona that I have to keep up. And that's square to me. That's lame to me. Again, great husband, great father, philanthropist. All of these things are great. Those things make Russell Wilson admirable. And he doesn't have to live life to not be square to me. And maybe I'm tainted from knowing people in that, in that locker room and listening to their stories of it. But I know when I look at a post and he's holding the camera and he's like, Mr. Unlimited, the first thing I think is square. When he takes a picture from the hospital and he's in a wheelchair with his finger surgery and he has the glasses on and the hats or whatever he has on and he says, Lionhearted, yeah, I think that's square. Because when I walked out of the hospital with piece of my liver gone, with my spleen gone, with my gallbladder gone, when all that happened, I ain't take no pictures. All I could think was, thank God I'm back to my family and now I can get back to work to support them. So when somebody likes me, like me sees that, I think it's square. I'll say again, being a father doesn't make him square. Being a husband doesn't make him square. Being a philanthropist, being someone that's out in the community, all of those things are great. When we're talking square or lane, we're talking on a very micro level that doesn't have to be, that doesn't have to be examined, that doesn't have to be evaluated. The reason I laughed was because I thought everybody already knew. So let's be clear to all the people that are dogging my co-hosts. It's not square because he's married. It's not square because he does it the right way. He's not square because he's a great father. I don't believe that Sierra is with Russell Wilson because he's rich. Now, I do believe without the success, without the money, he's not running in circles where him reaching out to Sierra is received the way it is. But that's life. That's why we see so many actors date actors or entertainers date entertainers because those are the people you get to be around. Those are the people that have access to you. But I believe Sierra loves her husband. I believe Sierra loves being treated right by Russell Wilson. I believe Sierra is also a woman that supports her man, also a woman that is a great mother. They are examples of what good couples look like, at least publicly. So, as I end, I'm going to say this. The pivot is going to keep rolling. It's not always going to be Michael Beasley. It's not always going to be Antonio Brown. It's not always going to be Alex Rodriguez giving financial literacy. Sometimes we're going to say some stuff that's going to piss you off. It's not always going to be Malcolm Jenkins that we talk about. The black empowerment, we talk about empowering, empowering black women or, or how devalued they are. Sometimes... We're going to F off, as my friend would say. But no, again, even the good ones have imperfections. Even the great ones have missteps. Even great shows go awry sometimes. No good deed goes unpunished. No bad deed gets to escape consequences. This is the pivot, but it's face first. Y'all be good.
Thank you, brother. Can you shoot that to Keon for me? You're a great man. When I grow up, I want to be like you, Paul. All love, bro. Out here. We're getting out of y'all way, man. Let him tell you what to do. Yeah.